Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. He is known as the show up investor. I love talking to this guy. I've been watching him for a while. His social media is incredible. His story is insane and very inspirational. He now has hundreds and hundreds of properties scattered from California to Indiana to Florida. He's part of a, a couple of really big circles. I've seen he, he rubs shoulders with Austin Rutherford and Mark DM Evans and all kinds of impressive guys. Just a good dude. Uh, done everything from Airbnbs to Burr's a lot of wholesaling and started out, man, knocking on doors, trying to get listings as a real estate agent. Went from a guy who was working on a farm, doing some tractor stuff with his family to literally growing up with drug addicted parents and being addicted to drugs at one point himself to becoming a multimillionaire and just making no excuses. So uh, such an inspirational story, such a good guy, such a great conversation that we had. We talk about all things from the technical side of real estate from where to pull lists, what the best lists to pull are, what some of the best strategies are, whether Airbnb is a good strategy right now, some of the things about the different markets, some of the ways he puts the funding together. We talk a lot about the mindset, the motivation, how you set yourself up for success, how you take the losses and keep on trucking. What were some of the experiences with some of his first deals? What are the things he's doing now? Some of the stuff he uses social media for, how you to deal with social media haters and so much more. So I really appreciate Alan coming on. I am part of his Discord group. He's been really awesome, uh, and his team's been really awesome. We do talk about that, too. He says guys that he's, guys and girls that he's hired that have been with him for five, six, seven years that are doing amazing jobs. So he knows how to find and to keep A players, which are two completely different skills in themselves, which he has obviously mastered. So can't thank you enough for coming on, Alan. I had an awesome time talking to him before, during, and after the uh, the interview as well. So you guys can check the show notes for all the ways to follow him, follow his YouTube channel, see his courses when they come out, and definitely follow him on Instagram because he's got a great Instagram and a great YouTube with tons of amazing content on there. So shoot him a follow, give him some appreciation, a thumbs up, and some nice comments for all the time that he puts in for that. And of course, this episode is sponsored by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Go on our affiliate link, nicknick.com slash links, and under affiliates, you will see how to get 20% off with promo code AGAME from CBD owned by a uh, Navy SEAL, William Brandon, who has some of the best quality out there, especially for guys whose necks and stuff are beat up from years of jujitsu or boxing or whatever it is. Take CBD consistently. You're going to see a really, really great, great result as far as like anti-inflammation and just for those aching necks and pains that go away that have been with you for years and years. So that's a huge thing right there. And then of course, on nicknamed.com slash links, you will see all the ways to follow the show, follow me, uh, please interact with our social media. I can't ask you enough. Please follow us on Instagram, subscribe to the YouTube, and definitely subscribe to the podcast. And when we post clips, like clips are going to post from this amazing interview with Alan, like them, give them a thumbs up, give them a little bump, give them a little share. If it's on something you can share it, it really goes a long way for having guests continue to come on and give you guys free, amazing content. So I would really appreciate it. And they would really appreciate it. If you took a minute here and there and just liked our post, share our post or commented on our post, even just again, a little thumbs up, a little fist bump emoji, something like that goes all a long way. But most importantly, I want to do deals together 
text me 516-540-5733, 516-540-5733. If you were looking to do some real estate together, regardless if you're new, not new, experienced, unexperienced, whatever it may be, if you want to buy properties from me, if you want to sell properties to me, or if you would like to partner on some deals in some way, shape, or form, let's get on a call together. Text me 516-540-5733. And last but certainly not least, if you would like a checklist free on how to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate agent, broker, or wholesaler, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets and you will have access to a free checklist that I put together. A-Game Podcast, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Alan, for coming on. Definitely give him a follow. If you're not following me, give me a follow. I look forward to seeing you guys more. If you have any questions or any guests you would like or anything I can help you with, jump on our link, nicknicknick.com slash link site and join our Facebook group. I am happy to field any and all questions on there. Have a great day. A-Game Podcast. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a full-time real estate investor and entrepreneur fighting out of Fresno, California, now by way of Florida. He has over eight years' experience in fix and flips, wholesales, burrs, Airbnbs, note investors, and now owns over hundreds of rental properties. He is a social media powerhouse. We will link you up with his Instagram and his YouTube, which has outstanding content each and every day. And he has a wild and inspiring story of overcoming addiction and changing his mindset and his habits to become a multimillionaire husband and father please welcome to the a-game podcast the show investor himself mr alan folio hey thanks nick i appreciate it man damn that was a hell of an entrance thank you <laughs> you're, you're a hell of a guy man i uh i've been watching your stuff man it was it was nice to meet you in uh where were we cleveland at mark evans thing man and uh it was cool i was like awesome that's the the kind of thing i love about you you watch people on social media and you feel like you know them and then you see them in person. It's like, oh, cool, man. And you didn't disappoint, man. You were, you were so nice and, uh, you know, took the time to say hi. I was stepping over somebody's broken leg to say hi to you, so I felt terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cool thing about going to those type of events, right? We can connect with each other, man. So we all talk to each other online, but it's really cool to connect in person. Yeah, man, I'm really excited to have you on. For, for people who are not 100% familiar with your story yet, you have uh, quite the impressive, inspiring background of the stuff you've overcame to, to really get where you are today on many levels, the personal, the financial, all the different stuff. So I'd love for you to dig in for that a little bit and kind of give a 30,000-foot view of who you are and where you came from. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, so <clears throat> grew up originally in uh, Fresno, California was raised by two heroin addicts for parents, uh, you know, kind of grew up in the ghetto, not having much money. And then getting into, I don't know, or even to start getting into addiction myself, man. Um, later in life, my parents were in and out of uh, prison most of my life. And then I ended up getting into the same type of addiction that they were addicted to. So that was kind of a, a big circle, I guess, man. And then getting it together and uh, just doing manual labor jobs most of my life until about, I don't know, eight years ago. By this time I was clean and I was driving tractor, not making much money. And uh, one day my wife asked me, hey, you're going to drive tractor the rest of your life? I said, well, yeah, I was kind of planning on it. Why? And she said, because we don't have any damn money, right? So that sent me on... Um, on a mission, I guess, man, to, um, to strive for su success and try and figure it out. And here we are today. Man, I think there's, there's so much of that. That's, uh, just an incredible tale because you, I think the famous, uh, Tony Robbins quote about like, it's, it's your decisions in life, not your conditions in life that will shape your future. 
And it's the decisions that you make every day that will shape your destiny. And I, I always love that outcome because people can look and point to, well, you know, real estate's not for me. Wealth isn't for me. Positivity's not for me because look where I came from. Look where I learned, like all the things you came from. And there's plenty of people that came from a tough background or a background of addiction and, you know, crazy stuff that you, I'm sure you grew up with seeing and hearing and use that as a crutch to just limit themselves. And then there's other people that do what you do and they take those things and use them as catapults to really say like, I'm not going to be there and, and push that much harder out of that. And it really does come to that decision. And like, like vice versa, people that come from a great background have every opportunity in the world and just don't do anything with it. So I love to hear about the the mindset there because so many people want to discount that, but guys like you, the, apparently your whole block <laughs> that you're going to be living to, all your neighbors, man, they're all like super successful guys. And if you ask any of them, if mindset's important, every one of them is going to say it's the most important thing. But then you get a new person who goes, it's not important. Just, you know, tell me how to raise private money or stuff like that. So, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about it. I know you've, you've, I've heard you say about brainwashing yourself. And I thought it was a brilliant way to think of it because you can, whatever you're putting into it, you can shape your mind. So you choose what you're going to feed it basically. Right. Yeah, for sure, man. And that, that's kind of a, um, an interesting point you just made about the guys that I live around now. Right. They're all like, Mark Evans is one of my neighbors. We've got a bunch of other guys with with big money here in this country club. But thinking about that to being um, growing up kind of in the ghetto, and I'm sure you've saw some of the videos or or uh, this is the first eight unit apartment complex we bought in the hood, you know, and a lot of people like talking crap about the video, but it's like really, I grew up ten houses down, which is kind of funny, right? I grew up ten houses down. Now I own apartment complexes in that same neighborhood. So it's um it's a it's an interesting circle man to to look at and and connect it all but i think in life you you for me at least i got to a point where i was just kind of tired of being poor and average and just trying to figure that out and when jennifer asked me that question it sent me on a journey searching right and i'd never heard about goals or or being able to achieve things in life because my parents didn't know anything about that. They had a very limiting, poor mindset. So I started searching and some of the things I came across on YouTube were like Grant Cardone, Bob Proctor, Jim Rohn, these type of guys. And, and the things they were talking about, man, I'd, I'd, I'd really never heard before. So I just, it resonated with me and I just listened to it over and over and over and over. And one of the things Bob Proctor talked about was you can make your month, you can make your yearly income monthly, right? It's like, what? how the hell do you do that? And just by the process of listening to him over and over and over, um, I, you start believing it. You start believing it, man. So that's what, what worked for me. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it comes down to people, they want to listen to Bob Proctor, they want to listen to Greg Cardone, and then they go, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm going to make a bunch of money, like I'm going to achieve all my greatest goals and then they shut off YouTube and they turn on Netflix. <laughs> you know, like so I talk to somebody who did door knocking like you did, which people don't have the ambition or the drive or, or the, the balls really to go and do that. And I feel like that's such a, a thing that if you have the discipline and you have the courage to go make door knocking work, like you have the cop pretty much anything, man. So I love to hear about like what was the thought process going there? Because you're listening to these things, but then the difference is you're going out and you're actually doing the things to make a difference in your life every day, where I think people, they want to put it in their head, but then they don't want to put it on the street and actually go do that work. And that's really the missing link is you have to do both. 
Yeah, I think Nick, what's interesting, man, if you listen to, uh, have you watched The Secret with Bob Proctor in it? I'm sure, okay. So like one of the things I think that they don't mention in that is you can't just sit on your couch and have all these positive thoughts and expect money to show up. I kind of think that's what they were, like that's how it kind of came across to me, right? The missing link to that is, yes, you have to do all that. You have to believe in yourself and affirmations are great. But the second piece of that is getting off your lazy ass and getting out and going to work because you can sit on your couch and kumbaya all you want, man, but you've got to get out now and put the work behind it. So um, for me, that, that's what I did. And when I started door knocking, I actually just went to every single house because I didn't know any better <laughs> trying to get uh, trying, trying to get listings. Actually, I was trying to get listings as a realtor. And um, obviously, I didn't have any luck doing that. So then I started going to, they had, uh, this was about seven, eight years ago. <clears throat> they had foreclosure sales at the Radisson Hotel, right? So I found out about that. Oh, they're having foreclosure sales. Maybe I'll go check this out. And so I met a guy there who was sitting, I sat down. He looked like a gangster, actually. He had like a Raiders jersey and like his pants were kind of sagging. I'm like, and I was dressed up like a realtor because I thought that's what you had to do. And so, you know, just who's this guy, some bum? Well, the guy ended up buying over a million dollars in property that day. So I said, oh, shit, I got to talk to this guy. So, you know, <laughs> then I, I strike up conversation with the guy. I said, hey, how do you know, like, how do you know these properties, which properties are coming to the, to the tax sale, you know, or, or to the um, foreclosure sale? And he said, oh, well, we use this app right here. It, back then it was called Foreclosure Radar. He said, yeah, see, this tells me all the addresses and it tells me all the properties that are coming in the future to this sale. I'm like, okay, so you guys are all down here waiting for these properties. I'm like, shit, I'm already out door knocking. Why don't I just start going to these? Um, why don't I just start going to these houses and door knocking them, right? So that's what I did, man. But I wasn't smart enough yet to figure out uh, like wholesaling them because I really didn't have any idea. So I started locking these properties up as listings and, and listing them for the people. Um, and how I made a transition so that started working really well. And how I made a transition from being a realtor to an investor is uh, my wife, now we're making a little money. She said, hey, I want to go on vacation. And mind you, I've been with my wife since she was 15. I was 17. So we've been together like 26 years already. But we'd never been on a vacation together because I was a loser and we didn't have any money. So we ended up going to the Bahamas um, and, and met an old man there, um, Dean Garland's his name. I still talk to him. He was my original mentor from, he's from Long Beach, California, which wasn't too far from where I was living. And one of the things Dean told me when I met him is, told me he was a real estate investor. And he says, Alan, it doesn't matter if I'm here in the Bahamas or if I'm in Long Beach or I'm in some other place, I'm making the same amount of money because I have investments that are paying me. He said, you're not making any money right now because you need to be back in Fresno, California as a realtor, like working. That's how you make your money. I'm like, oh man, right? So that like really clicked for me. I'm like, I got to get like investment properties. So I went back home to California and I immediately switched my strategy up. I still kept door knocking and going to those notice of default pre-foreclosures. But what I started doing now was instead of listing them as a realtor and making a small commission, I started putting them under contract and now I was, and now I kept going back to the Radisson and these guys were all buying cash. So now I just started door knocking and getting the properties under contract. And then I started just assigning the contract to the people who were already waiting at the um, foreclosure auctions. So that's when I kind of started really gaining momentum and started making some, some actual money. 
man, I think that that's so amazing. The fact that again, you had the, you know, the wherewithal to go in and ask that guy to be your, your mentor, I, I think says a lot about you because there's so many people. It amazes me how overly simplistic people try to make real estate sometimes, although there are parts of it. It's like, it's like any other business. Why do all these businesses fail? You know, and you have one conversation with somebody and they're like, well, I want to get into real estate. And then you're like, hey, you should, you know, invest the money in yourself and, and hire a mentor. No, no, I don't want to do that. It's dangerous. People <laughs> lose their button. So I'm going to go do it myself. It's like, so wait, so it's dangerous. Like, yeah, I'm quiet here. But one of the things I think, again, is, is, is pretty interesting is people do have those stories of, hey, I went and I tried this. And it's usually, oh, I know somebody who knew somebody who worked at Blockbuster that had a friend that bought real estate and lost their butt. Like, it's, it's never actually them that are giving you the advice. But it does come down to, like, people that don't do the research, they don't do the due diligence, they don't know what they're doing, and they recklessly buy stuff and have a bad story, and then they quit. And I've always been a big believer in whatever you do, you'll be successful in as long as you don't quit. And I see in boxing, in jujitsu, in business, within that first six to 12 months, if you don't win your first fight, if you don't do well in the gym, if you don't make a million dollars in the first six months, people just quit if there's any sort of resistance. And I know you didn't have the greatest uh, experience with one of your first rentals. And if that would have been the thing where you went, this is harder than I think it is, I'm going to quit, you wouldn't be where you are today. Yeah, very true, man. And uh, I don't know who who made the quote, but talking about how one person can change your life. I really feel meeting that old man and him telling me that and it clicking for me like, oh, damn, I, I do actually have to be there to be making money. And this old man's like, he, at this point, he was in his 70s. He's in his 80s now, but he was traveling all over the world, right? And and his rental properties were paying for him to do that. And that really like, I'm like, wow, I could be here and making money. Like that, like really, <laughs> you know, that kind of clicked for me, man. And uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I met him because it, it put me where I am today. And, you know, I started assigning those contracts to, to those investors. And then I was able to accumulate enough chunks of money um, where I was able to buy my first rental property, right? And uh, I can dive a little into that. The first rental property that we bought, we closed escrow on it and uh, it had a tenant in there. But immediately the first month, dude, they stopped paying rent. Ah, uh -uh, damn. So we ended up having to evict them. But to make a long story short, by the time we got the property back, they were, they were tweakers, what we call like on methamphetamine on drugs, right? And um, they ended up stripping the entire house, dude, of every piece of wire they pulled the wire out of the walls. They took every uh, piece, like every hinge, everything, dude. It was unbelievable. They actually had uh, jump uh, power from the main line down to the breaker box, and were actually even stealing power. And so that that's how I got into actually uh, started a flip property because now we got this thing back, and it's like, oh damn, now what do we do? Now I had to figure out how to put a property back together. So that led me into uh, the flipping side of things. Right. So talking about how you've gone in from those different things, I think the, the confidence to build up those things, did that come from, you know, seeing somebody that does that and going, I can do that versus like, well, that guy's not me. He didn't come where I come from. Was it a progressive thing of like, I'll look into real estate, but my comfort level is I'm going to do it as an agent. And then you started to kind of like build up your confidence from there. Cause I think that there's a, there's such a big jump from like doing nothing to meeting somebody who's like, I'm completely financially free and going, well, I can do that too. You know? Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't really have a lot of access to that guy. 
because he was he was even though he was older and wasn't doing a lot of stuff i had like a lot of respect for him so i didn't really bother him i only called him if i absolutely had a question that was like man i cannot figure this out so maybe like once a month or something i would call him but it was not very often and i didn't take much of his time at all um yeah man i don't i don't know it's just i really didn't even know what the hell i was doing to be honest with you i was just going 100 <laughs> uh, i was going 110 miles an hour and i screwed a lot of stuff up and um Actually, as a realtor, you can imagine going from doing manual labor, driving a tractor to now I'm acting like a realtor with a fancy suit on. I was actually, I had 10, I had 10 listings my first month as a realtor. Um, and I still have, the, I still have the checks, man. So I made $20,000. My, my first week of checks was $20,000 as a realtor because I was hustling so much. And, and all these, this was in Fresno. So the populations, um, it's over 500,000. So it's decent size. But I was literally, dude, spending 10 to 12 hours a day just driving around door knocking people. That's all I was doing was going after notice of defaults and for sale by owners. So it wasn't comfortable, but I think sometimes to be successful, man, you have to do things that are uncomfortable, right? And I still do a lot of things that, that I don't want to do, but I do them because I have goals and I want to take care of my family, man. You know, you, I wasn't even, this wasn't even on my list of stuff, but speaking of that, I, I don't know if it's still the case but i know for a while you didn't ha have a tv and then when you first moved up back to florida i was hearing you on a couple other views saying that you had <laughs> one but you actually didn't turn them on yet yeah so um when jennifer asked me that question if i was gonna drive tractor for the rest of my life and i started watching grant cardone bob proctor jim Rohn. like i remember grant cardone like saying that's a waste of time I didn't freaking know it was a waste of time. Uh, I, we used to watch all kinds of stupid shit, man. Desperate housewives and all this stuff like like, <laughs> like, like the normal people do, dude. Looking back, it's like, damn, no wonder we didn't have any freaking money. But uh, when, when, he, when I heard him saying that stuff, it really resonated with me, man. And we had one TV at the time, and we didn't have any money, and we were paying for cable. And I actually... Um, I can't remember if we sold it or what we did with it, but we only had one TV, but we canceled the cable. We canceled everything and we got rid of the TV, man. And I focused just on watching these guys and listening to them. And that's, I, I would even hear, I wouldn't even go as far, dude, back then I was going so hard. I would even hear people listening to music, dude. And I would be like, damn, dude, they don't even know they're wasting so much time. Like that's to the level I was at. I didn't listen to anything but those guys. And if it wasn't about self-improvement, man, I didn't give a shit. So I've, I've, I've laxed off of a lot of that stuff now, but I remember when I was really getting into it and going hard, it was like, that's all I did, man, was listen to that kind of stuff. I think that's amazing, man. It really is just, it, it can be like they say in the secret, you know, you, it could be a tool that a, a microwave could cook your food or it could cook the man, you know, and it's even like a TV, man. It could be a, it could be a weapon or a tool, depending on how much discipline you have with it. But with the tools and stuff I have out there, you know, you talked about using property radar and foreclosure radar and going to the notice of default list and knocking on the doors or calling those people and all the different marketing channels and stuff you have here. I always think it's interesting that the same things that you have access to that have made you millions of dollars, you have other people that are like, but what are my other options? But what, and they literally want to spend all day on YouTube or spend all this money on courses to find like the thing instead of just using the tools that they have there to actually make the money. They always think that there's this other thing that they're missing or they get FOMO or shiny object syndrome, but the same exact people have the same exact resources. What's the difference between somebody like you that uses the resources in front of them and the other people that make excuses not to or just continue to blow past them and devalue the opportunities in front of them? 
great question, Nick. I think it's actually just committing, man, and actually just doing it, right? Because I think, um, and I've been guilty of this at different times in my life, but maybe trying to figure out an easier way or a faster way to do something when, when really we just need to do the work, man. We just need to do the work. You know what I mean? So I'm sure there is a lot better ways and I, I probably could be uh, doing things better to save time. But at the end of the day, we're getting shit done. They want to know about the best CRM and the best this and that. Dude, I freaking ran a yellow notepad for probably my first year. I, ha I had 20 freaking properties before I even worried about an LLC. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't, don't overcomplicate it with all the bullshit. If you get to that point where you're like overloaded with deals and you can't manage it and you can't handle stuff, okay, now it's time to probably implement other things. But it's like people will DM me on, on, um, on IG about like maybe the driving for dollars video. I'm like, yeah, dude, I've made a lot of money just using that app. Just do exactly what I said and I promise it'll work for you. Yeah, you're probably not going to get a deal your first week. You might not even get a deal your first month, but I promise you 100%, dude, if you stay after it, you will get a freaking deal. You know, so it's, I think it's just having the persistence, man, stay after it, but anything you do. Yeah, no, agree. It doesn't happen overnight. So talking about now what your current business model, talk a little bit about what you're doing. I know you've, you've changed your models a little bit here and there over the course of the probably last eight years, but right now, what is your portfolio or your strategies looking like? What's your, your kind of day-to-day -day real estate business? Yeah, so primarily we, we invest in the Midwest, although I still have around 80 units in, um, in California, and um, we've got a few hundred in the Midwest, and uh, we moved to Parkland, Florida now, which is where we live, and we actually just closed on our first, I don't know if you saw that video, don't buy this, buy this, yeah, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but we, just, uh, we just closed on our first uh, property here, investment property, man, and so my stuff my in the stuff. Midwest is kind of like on autopilot. I run it from, uh, I have an office still in California with staff and I have an office in Indiana, uh, team there. And, um, yeah, I just kind of run everything from my phone. Now, uh, I'll fly out a couple times a year to each places and check on stuff, but we just closed on our first deal here in by Fort Lauderdale. And I was talking to Austin Rutherford this morning. We did a, did a video over there, but we only did really a month worth of marketing dude of cold calling. And we got that deal. So it was, uh, but it was like, Austin's like, well, that was it. I'm like, well, it was about three months of follow-up. Right. So, but there's going to be a lot of equity in that deal. So we're doing a little bit of stuff now. We haven't done that. We only did one month of marketing here, but we might pick some more stuff up. So we'll just kind of see. That's cool, man. And you know, I, I did see that video and your social media stuff has been freaking awesome. I definitely want to jump into a lot of that as well. And a big question that comes up a lot is the marketing channels and then the funding. And I you post a lot of stuff about that and you get a lot of questions on that. What are your, some of your favorite marketing channels into your list right now? What are some of your, your tips and tricks as far as like funding for your rentals and stuff? Cause I know that you're, you're big on private money. Yeah, we are, man. So I'll touch um, first on the marketing that we do. Uh, I'll touch on that. So like we do everything, man, from like a high, high equity owner occupied. So that deal we just locked up here. That was actually just a high equity owner occupied unit, dude, believe it or not. Lindy had been there for over 20 years. So we do everything from that to like really niching down to code enforcement lists, probate, right? That's a little, a little bit um, different type of deal. When you're doing the probate stuff, uh, we use letters, not mailers. Like we'll send a very like, um, my, we'll start off the letter, my condolences. Obviously, they just lost a family member. 
we got, get a lot of deals through probate. Um, notice the defaults we still do. I think everybody, Nick's probably doing the same thing. I think the main thing is just follow-up. When you get the leads coming in, man, as you know, you're in the business. It's a lot of times it's, you're not going to get the deal right off the bat. It's follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. I love that, man. hundred percent. I tell everybody it's not a no, it's a not yet. Exactly, man. So um, I'm, I'm a little removed from the day-to-day -day stuff now. I have people ask me, hey, what are you using for this? What are you using for that? Dude, honestly, I don't even freaking know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like my main girl has been with me four years now, and she actually just got here yesterday to Florida. I moved right here to Florida. So we're going to start, um, her and I are going to start banging stuff out here. But she's been in my office in California for the last four years. She started moving with me when she was 18. Uh, she's almost 23 now. So she runs most of my stuff and even oversees my teams in Indiana. So yeah, I'm kind of disconnected a little bit, some of that stuff, but um, as far as final sign off, I still do all that on all the properties. Nice, man. Yeah, I, I am going to definitely talk to you about the teams and stuff like that because Kobe's an absolute rock star. The stuff that she's been doing and the way she's all over it, man, she is definitely an A player. And I think that that's a big piece is people struggle with A, not doing the stuff themselves and then B, not maybe not only not getting the good people underneath them, but not understanding how to properly train and manage that expectation and get them to, you know, hiring people. It's not that you just hire them and now they're just going to work for you and all your, you can go hang out on the beach. Like people don't understand that part. So I would love to hear how you've had people. I think when you and I talked another time, you were saying you hired people like five, six, seven years ago, and they're still the same people that are working for you today. And that to me is astounding. I actually have a lot of people, man, that have been with me seven years. Um, so I've been doing this probably about eight years now, you know, especially with like contractors, you know, at one time we were doing about 20 flips at a time. So you go through kind of a lot of people, but you find the people that you resonate with and that do a good job for you and you can trust. And man, I, I like to just keep those people long-term because you know how they work. They know how you work. There's no BS. It's like, those are the type of relationships I like to have. And even, uh, people that uh, are on our team in Indiana, man. I've got a couple of people that have been there for seven plus years. So yeah, man, I, I like, uh, I think there's really value to that. And as far as like your main person, I think building that person up basically to be you, right? Whoever, whatever Nick does on a, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's kind of scary actually, because Kobe's like a damn spitting image of me now, but yeah. it's like, they, they don't like, sh she locks the property, she gives the, the final sign off on, on all the stuff. And then I just approve it before it closes escrow. But I'd say 95% of the time we're on the same page. There's very rarely we're not, but that's taken four years of investing into someone. And yeah, it, it's paid off to this point. So what did that look like? I think the, to get her where she is, I mean, obviously uh, uh, the dealings I've had with her, she's been fantastic and just really, really sharp and kind of all over good people skills, good, good real estate knowledge. But what were some of the things that stuck out that made you decide that this is the person that you're going to start to invest your time into? And then what was the communication and the training and the expectations like time-wise for you getting her that first few months to kind of be somebody you knew you were going to stick with? So I probably didn't touch on this, Nick, but uh, Kobe's not the first person I've had in that position, man. I, I Did you know I had a heart attack and heart surgery? I don't know if you knew that. But anyway, I've had... Um, yes, yeah. So I've had, uh, she's the third person in that position over my eight years of training. Um, one, when I first started, invested um, time and energy into, and then they left to start their own business after they figured out what I did. 
Um, the second, uh, a guy named uh, Stratton Brown, who's you guys can look him up on social media, a great kid. Uh, he was with me and in, in, in a similar position to Kobe. And then I had my heart attack and got freaked out and bought a motorhome and said, I'm freaking out of here. And I kind of just left him and my office hanging man, which was like not cool of me to do, but he figured his own way out and, um, and is doing great now. And then when I got done doing that, then I started rebuilding again and uh, I hired Kobe and yeah, luckily Ben, she's, um, she's put up with my bullshit for the last four years and, uh, and here we are. So I think if you find a good person, like I've always been the type of guy, I don't invest a lot of uh, training in them on the front end. I just give them tasks and see if they're actually going to do it right. And see if they're going to figure it out. Because if, if I sit there and try and spend five hours a day with them, they may only stay a week. Like when somebody first starts with me, I just kind of throw stuff at them and just see what they do. Cause if I knew how to do it, I don't know how to do many things, dude. I only know how to do a few <laughs> things. Well, so if I knew how to do it, I'd probably do it myself. So I'm giving it to you probably cause I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So, or I don't want to do it. Or I don't have time now. Right. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of the way it works. I throw stuff and I see what sticks and if they're actually getting things done, then I keep giving them stuff. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get out of residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, or fixing foots, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fixing foot, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together. Make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Yeah, so, so on the private money side, I actually just uh, I just finished a private money lending course. Uh, I don't know, man, that the website's getting ready to go live. So um, the website's going to be theshowupinvestor.com. And we're going to start posting stuff on there. And yeah, I've got the free Discord group, man. If anybody's following me on IG, there's a link in the link tree uh, where they can actually click on that and it'll say a free real estate group. And, um, yeah, and then we've got the exclusive group, which, um, is the paid group, but we do live Q and A and stuff in there. And yeah, it's kind of what I got going, man. Nick on a, on a, um, on a side note, what else can I do in that? I was talking to Austin about this earlier. He's like, yeah, I'm just haven't had much success on like those type of, um, groups. Is there something you think that we can do better, man, on the discord or what are you seeing from your side? Like, uh, like being on the other side of the table, I guess. Man, I, I like it. I think you have a, a really good thing with, you know, Colby sitting there and kind of moderating and letting people know when things are happening. I think the, the Q and A's have been great, man. The way you make yourself always available there and you kind of go around and ask everybody, like everybody get a turn to ask a question and stuff. I think it's really cool. And even just listening to some of the people that are, are doing different things, uh, access to the private money stuff and linking up with private money lenders on there. Um, if there's one thing I need to get better at with discord from somebody who's like a consumer of it on groups like that is I have to learn how to mute some of the, the channels in there that I don't use because the notifications get so overwhelming, but I'm pretty sure that's more on my end than your end. <laughs> I need to learn how to do that kind of stuff. 
I love that. Uh, I'm a big believer in that too, is setting up little, little, little tests to see if they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Cause unfortunately most people don't, that's more than half the battle, which I think is freaking outstanding, man. So that's awesome. What you said, you had some uh, outsourced stuff too. I'm, I'm assuming you use VAs and stuff like you said in the Philippines to do some of the tedious stuff, just probably like the list pulling and the cold calling. Yeah. I think we've got, I don't even know, man. I think we've got four or five uh, cold callers running uh, right now. We've got, um, we've always got two or three doing SMS, um, uh campaigns and then we had actually one of our VAs shit uh judy's his name he's in the philippines mode that's like six years man and he actually does all of our lists and everything um and that poor guy we only pay him 450 an hour and i even asked him judy do you want more money dude do you like you want me to give you a raise he's like no i'm happy all right man like that's it but i think he's when we started it was like 250 or three dollars an hour so he's he's probably sitting back over there, rich off his four fifty and and uh, and feeling okay, man. So yeah, we use we use a lot of a lot of different VAs and um, and yeah, and I've actually got I've kind of taken Kobe out of the position of overseeing them now, and I have another person overseeing all the VAs. So she's kind of moved up the level now. That's awesome, man. And uh, you know, another key player. In your team, I would assume is your wife. I see a lot of you guys doing some of this stuff together. And I've seen so many instances where one of the spouses or partners is all in and the other one is just all out. And it really does not help things at all. So when I see teams of couples that are working together like that on the same page, I'm always inspired because that's kind of my goal. It's like I want somebody like that that's kind of, you know, same page. But I've also found when I do that, Sometimes I do what she calls a no-fly zone, where we're like, we'll be somewhere, and I'll be like, hey, what about this? And then that moment, she's like, we're at my kid's birthday party, or we're like at dinner, like, why are you bringing up the property, Matt? I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry about this. So, like, sometimes it's hard to not, like, mix things when you're with friends or, or relationships with people like that. So how does that work? How do you have a system of checks and balances for personal and professional conversations or, like, we call no-fly zones with your wife? That's probably – uh. I should let Jennifer answer that, but um, <laughs> I, I, I'm the type of person, man, unfortunately now where I'm at, it doesn't really, I'm always thinking about business. So she, and she even says like, you talk about it too much. Uh, I probably <laughs> do. That's my fault. So I, I, I need to be more aware of that. Like a lot of times um, I shut my phone off at about seven o'clock and just uh, from there on out, I might jump back on like, you know, after the baby's in bed or something at 10 o'clock or whatever, but I try and at least shut the phone off and just kind of disconnect. I should probably even do that more, man, because it's really good. I think for all of us to just disconnect and have like, and have no distractions. I actually learned this from another mentor of mine. Um, uh, a guy I actually met in Portland has a few hundred properties in Los Angeles, um, uh, an older Indian gentleman, but this freaking guy, dude, you would never see him on his phone. Like he would never disrespect you by pulling out his phone. Like, and, and like texting or something like that. And if you were having a conversation with this guy or you went to dinner, like that was like totally off limits, man. And I, I remember I really respected that. And so I've tried to try to do some of those things and just disconnect a little bit. And I should probably even do more. I think we all could do a little bit better with that, right? It's kind of, we've all become that a little bit. So, but I think that, I think that's awesome, man. And uh, one more thing on the real estate side, before we jump into some of the other stuff, your thoughts on uh, Airbnb, I saw a, a recent video you did, and I know, I think you and I had a slight conversation in one of your groups about it too, but what are your thoughts right now? Because a, a big part of what I was looking to do was pick up some Airbnbs in Florida that I could kind of test out a couple of different areas to live in. And 
with the recession, allegedly in quotes, and the stuff that's happening with interest rates or just whatever it is with the mental side of stuff. You know, I know it's all kind of doom and gloom on there, but I know the last time the market crashed, I knew a lot of what was going to happen because I've been through that correction now, but I don't remember Airbnbs being the strategy as dominant as they are now. So to me, that's one that I actually don't know how it's going to perform, whereas I feel kind of comfortable with the market cycle of some of the other ones. What is your opinion right now on investing in Airbnbs over the next six, 12 months? Well, I think, Nick, if let's say we do go into a recession or we are in a recession or it even gets worse than that, let's be honest, man. One of the first things people are going to cut out is vacation, right? So that's probably going to be one of the first things hit in my opinion. So uh, Jennifer and I own a couple of different property uh, management companies, one in California and the other for Indiana stuff. And um, we have an Airbnb management company too that we're building out. I think we've got I don't know, 20 some units under management, but we're already seeing it, dude. We're already seeing a big slowdown. Um, so we'll see where it goes. I think it could be potentially a great buying opportunity for us to buy some of these damn properties that are probably going to get taken back by the banks, man. Because think about it. A lot of these people, like our cash flow on an Airbnb is about three times the amount of a, of a normal rental property. I think a lot of these people are buying on those projections, right? Hey, we're going to make X amount a month. Okay, well, what if the freaking recession hits and that doesn't happen and people aren't going on vacation? I don't know, man. So it's going to be interesting, brother. We'll, we'll see what happens. This property I, I just closed on over here in Fort Lauderdale, I ran the numbers based on a regular rental. Um, but we're going to Airbnb it. So I'm even safe at a regular rental, but we're going to Airbnb it. And I'm hoping to make three times the amount. But if it doesn't, I've ran my numbers based on a regular rental, man. And all we can do is the best we can do, brother. So I like that. You have multiple edge strategies planned. Like my buddy Nate says, plan for the divorce, just in case something happens ahead of time, you go for it, man. So I love that. And uh, so speaking of your, your Florida deal, man, I was just actually reading through it, but social media is another thing that could be a weapon or a tool, depending on how it's used for you and how you use it. And your social media stuff has been freaking awesome, man. Your content's been amazing. But um, I'm interested to see, for some guys that post a lot of content, like the Austin Rutherfords, some of them also don't consume any. And I think that's where, like all the time, I'm sure it takes to create that content. And then if you start looking at it too, your whole day becomes social media. So I'd love to hear about the balance of how you utilize it as far as what you use it for, as far as consuming content. And then some of the stuff that really triggered you guys stepping up your game for producing content. Yeah. So the reason I actually started producing content is, uh, as you know, I just, I'm from California originally, but I just moved here from Oregon. So after I had that heart attack, got freaked out and rolled around the country for a few years in a damn motorhome. Um, I set up shop in uh, Oregon and we started flipping and, and doing rentals and stuff there. I kind of got checked out, man. I lived in the middle of the forest for a couple of years and yeah, I had projects and stuff going, but I kind of checked out, dude. And coming here to Florida and being around Mark and these other guys and just like, it's a totally different energy here. And it just got me motivated again. And that's the reason I, I started the social media account. And it's been great, man. We've, we've grown that thing organically, dude. I haven't paid for one damn follower. I think we're, you know, over 120,000 followers um, in less than six months. So I'm, I'm really just trying to provide value for people. I'm trying to monetize it a little bit now, obviously, because it, it costs me a lot of money to do the videos. And stuff, so I want to kind of try and recoup some of those costs. But, you know, I'm really just trying to put it out there and provide value for people and show them what can be done, man. Because, you know, you set a goal like you and I both know you can, you can do anything. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the thing that I think you handle very well is you're putting out 
really good content with really helpful stuff. And there's no upsell. There's no like maliciousness. There's no cheap shots or like, I'm doing this, but these people are like, some people are like have an angle of like making their videos. Like I'm doing this because I'm better than everybody. And your stuff comes off very genuine and very matter of fact of like, here's what we do. Here's what's working for us. Here's why you could do the same thing. I hope this helps for. And it, it really comes off like that. I think that's probably why your account has grown so much, but you still have these idiots that are just either a, like, I'll see it's like, hey, buddy, did you actually like read any of the posts? Or like, you know, or like, well, you can't do that. What about this? And it's like, why would you spend your whole day following somebody just to constantly post their stuff about how they're wrong or they don't know? And literally, you have no experience. So, how do you handle the nonsense and the haters and the idiots on social media? Um, I think it's interesting, man. Um, like, I had never really had social media before, right? So, I didn't, uh, I didn't know about any of this stuff, but yeah, you definitely do get the haters and I don't follow anyone. So if I get on my account, I don't see anyone's uh, stuff other than mine, which, you know, I kind of like, if someone, um, if I see a nice comment or something like you left on mine, then I'll click on your profile and then I can go over and check out your stuff. But as far as getting on, logging onto my channel and seeing everyone's stuff, that, that's very distracting. So I don't do that. And as far as the haters go, man, I don't know. I guess you have to pick your damn battles. When I first started, when I first started, I'd be like, you know, like respond back or whatever. But now it's like, eh, I don't know. It's 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 not really worth it, man. It's interesting. Like Austin, I don't think responds to freaking anybody. He responds to DM. But I don't see, I, I really try and genuinely, Nick, provide value, man. So I look at the comments and I'll try and help people like if they have a question or whatever. But then you come across the haters too. So I guess you got to take the good with the bad, man. You're, you're very good at that. I have to say, credit where credit is due. The way you take on some of the people that ask questions and you take the time to actually respond to them and answer them and explain the stuff you're working on, I think is, uh, is, is really awesome. Especially when like, I think there was one, it was like, hey man, like not sure if you know math, but that's actually an 8%, not, you know, like stuff like that. But it's always kind of funny. And it's like, uh, you know, pl playful at the same time, which I, I think is pretty awesome. But, you know, one of my, uh, a bunch of my, my friends are UFC fighters and one of them, they get so many armchair guys that are just, they, they want to trash them for being in there, being like professional <laughs> athletes. And I, I'll talk to them sometimes. And like one of my buddies, Al, he was like, hey man, you know what I'm going to start doing is I'm just going to start putting that kind of energy and energy and, and uh, effort and attention into the guys that are saying nice things about me. Because too many people like you get all, hey, great fight, man. You're awesome. You're my hero. You're my hero. And they get like a like, a like, a like. And then somebody's got, you're a bum. And you feed that for like comment after comment. So I think, you know, it's kind of choosing, like, I'm going to focus on this because I don't care who you are. You're having a bad day. Sometimes that still bothers you. You know, you do want to fire it off, but that's what they're doing it for, man. So I think you handle that very well, man. And we'll give links to everything um, that you're doing over there, but your social media and everything is definitely incredible, man. And, uh, you know, just being around stuff, watching what guys like you every day, man, like you and Mark Evans and Austin are like three of my favorite social media accounts to follow. Like I just, three totally different approaches, all good information. And, you know, sometimes I need somebody to like pick me up and make me feel like I could do stuff. And I watch your stuff or Austin stuff. And then sometimes I need people to tell me to like, stop being a little bitch. So I watch Mark Evans stuff. You know, what I mean? it's, like, it's all good though, man. So Talking about uh, the show up investor, the group you have, man, I've gotten a lot out of the, the Discord channel and the exclusive member content and stuff like that. It's been fantastic uh, for, for me. I really appreciate you letting me be a part of that. But talk a little bit about kind of what you're doing. I know private money is a big thing. People have been coming to you for you, putting some courses oh, yeah. 
Well, if you need to learn how to do that, just freaking message Kobe in there. Hey, Kobe, right? Because listen, dude, anything I cannot figure out, she can freaking figure out. So um, if you need help with that, man, she, send her a DM and I get—I guarantee she can she can get it figured out for you. Yeah. I actually have all the notifications on mine shut off, dude. I have all the notifications. Um, I actually hired a, a social media manager, I guess you'd call him now, that does all the, the social media stuff because it was getting, it was taking away from like I'm looking for bigger apartment stuff. It's, it was kind of taking away from that. So she's she's running all that now. But on a side note, I don't have any notifications, dude, that come to my phone. Not from Instagram, not from TikTok, not from freaking MySpace or whatever. Like <laughs> I I have all that shut off, dude. Even Discord, I'll pop in there, but I don't have any notifications on my phone now because I don't want to be freaking distracted. And every time your phone's dinging and dinging and dinging, for me, brother, it's very distracting. No, I'm with you, man, on that. And uh, I, I didn't go too deep into it because I know you didn't uh, you didn't bring it up initially on the intro story. But I'm sure for people that are listening and watching, and they're like, "Man, you're so healthy. What what happened with the heart attack, and how did that change your trajectory over the last couple of years?" Yeah, man. Um, who really knows? The doctor says my arteries were smaller than they should have been. Uh, like I said, my my mother and father were drug addicts. My mother was actually on heroin and methadone. I don't know if you know what that is um, through her whole pregnancy. So probably something didn't develop right man. but I've actually haven't eaten meat, dude. And probably right about that time I was shifting from manual labor to real estate. I watched a, uh, a Gary Yorosky speech, some hard, hardcore vegan dude. He was giving a speech at this, uh, at this college to all these meat eaters. And, um, something clicked with me, man. I, I grew up, you know, uh, working for my grandfather, slaughtering a lot of animals. I've castrated thousands of bulls, like just doing stuff that's, that's not the nicest thing to do to animals, man. And, um, yeah, I watched that and it really hit home with me. And so I haven't had any meat or anything, dude, believe it or not, in like freaking eight years. So, wow. um, obviously that didn't matter because I still had a <laughs> damn, I still had a damn heart attack. So yeah, I've got, I've got four stints in man. And I just try and eat clean and, do the best I can brother. And, and we all try and live as long as we can. Right. So I'm not sure really what happened with that. I used to drink about a gallon of milk a day. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but, um, I don't know. So, well, I'm, I'm glad you made it through all the things you've done in life, man, because, you know, obviously I know people that did not make it through the heart attack. I know people that did not make it through the addiction and, you know, that just that whole side of it, man, like I, I had a, you know, I think we talked briefly about it, but a, a very serious hand injury is a permanent injury. And I remember they were giving me medicine and painkillers for it that were, were very needed at the time. And even me taking them the way that they were prescribed, given to me by a nurse once or twice a day, when I stopped taking them, I still was having a very hard time like getting off of them. And that was not abusing them at all. You know, so I think it's one of those crazy things where you're just set up for failure there. It's, it's, it's not an, an easy thing to overcome or do. And the fact that you've been through all the things you've been through, overcome all the things you've overcome, achieve what you've achieved and are such a good guy and still have such a positive attitude and you're so approachable. I very much appreciate, man. And again, I think it's a choice for you to, to be a, a leader or, you know, be somebody who looks at somebody who makes excuses and you definitely don't, you, you show up, man. So I, I think the name is perfect for you at the show of investor. And uh, I very much appreciate all the stuff you're doing to put out there, man. It's inspiring. Yeah. I appreciate that, brother, and I appreciate you having me on, man.
Definitely. So uh, wrapping up here, I know we're kind of running out of time, but I like to call this the victory lap and just ask some final questions here. One of them being, uh, I saw a couple of videos on it, but I would love to know what would be maybe one book that you would recommend to people right now to read to get them inspired, whether it's financially, mentally, entrepreneurially, whatever it may be. I think a book that's always hit home for me, there's a, a, there's a couple, but one of them is the 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. This was probably one of the, the books that really helped me like keep pushing uh, along with his content online. But it's like, dude, quit being a bitch and just do like 10 times more than everybody else. Even if you don't know what you're doing, brother, I guarantee it. It's like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but just through the sheer like um, volume, it's like, you cannot fail, dude. You cannot fail. Obviously, you want to dial that in and kind of figure out what you're doing. But I think just the lesson behind that, just to, you know, give it 110% and just just get after it, man. I think that's very powerful. I agree a thousand percent, man. What is one of your favorite quotes? Probably whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. I echo that as well. I think that that's awesome. Uh, being that you're in a relationship with somebody who supports you and is on the same page, for somebody that maybe doesn't have a supportive spouse or business partner or a family member right now, and they want to get into business, real estate, entrepreneurship, what would be some advice you would give them to maybe help convince or, you know, get that person on board? You know, I would say having Jennifer is awesome, but it can also be a double-edged sword because if I have any excuses, she calls my bullshit <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. So I think if you don't have someone like Jennifer to call your bullshit, um, when you're making excuses, you've got to call your own bullshit, man. And at the end of the day, there is really no excuse, man. We, we, we're, we're the only one, if you think about it, Nate, brother, we're the only one stopping ourselves, dude. There's nobody else that can hold us back, dude. Not our spouse, not our brother, not, not our mom and dad, not, our, like, not the way we grew up. No one can stop us, dude. It's only us stopping ourselves. So if, if we can get over that part, man, we can, we can do anything. I agree with that, man. I, I just came from a Jason Jury seminar. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who he is, but he did a lot of like the mindset stuff for Brandon Turner and some of these other guys. And it was amazing to see the different levels of successful investors in that room from people who were making six figures to seven figures to eight figures, some of them a month. And everybody still had some sort of nonsense or limiting beliefs or shit in their head of why they weren't doing better. And so I think, like you said, kind of getting out of your way, whatever level you are, is just like a huge thing. Like, you know, people see me post stuff and they're like, oh, well, you know, you got your black belt, but you know, I have this and I have that. And you get up at 5am. I don't like getting up at 5am. I'm like, yeah, neither do I, you know, but if it's something you want to do and you want to achieve, then you make time for it or you don't, you know what I mean? And then it's just an excuse. So I think that that's awesome, man. And that's the difference. So Nick, that's the difference between you and the guy who doesn't get up. You don't want to get up either. I don't like getting up before five o'clock either, dude, but we, but we both do it, right? Yeah. We both do it, man. So that's the difference, dude. You get up and put the work in, man. And the other guy that's got excuses is not getting up and putting the work in. Doesn't mean he's a bad person, but if we want to see why we're at, where, where we are in life, it's because of those choices we make every day. Uh, dude, that's exactly what I tell people. I said, your life's a recipe. Where you are right now is the recipe of all the decisions you've made. And people want to be in a different spot, but they don't want to change the recipe. Like you can't come here and keep making the same decisions and putting the same ingredients in and thinking you're not going to be in a different spot. It's just, it's, it's literally insanity. You know what I mean? It's I love that, man. That, that freaking hits home, dude. That's exactly, that's exactly right, man. Exactly. It's, it's insanity, man. And last but certainly not least, tell the, the audience, how do they find you? How can they help you? What are some things that we can help the show up investor with? 
yeah maybe uh follow me on uh i think we're on all the social media platforms and the the girl i hired from our marketing has got us on everything now um but uh, i'm easier to get a hold of probably like on instagram because i actually check those myself and that's uh my my handle is the show up investor there's some fake accounts so just remember <laughs> I, i'm not following anyone so if you're looking for the real account, it has zero, I'm following zero people. And just maybe DM me just to make sure it's the right account, man. I hate these damn guys coming up with fake accounts. And I'll listen, I'll never freaking try and sell you anything. I'm not going to DM you and say, hey, buy this crypto or some bullshit. So if someone's doing that, it's definitely not me. 100%. You know, just for people listening, one of the things that I, I was doing this week was your YouTube stuff has so many good like one to three minute clips that I literally just saved them all into an Allen playlist. And I just let them kind of play in the background throughout the day, man. And it was, it was really cool. So if people are looking for something to just kind of put in the background, I and I highly suggest they jump on your YouTube and make a playlist of your shorts and stuff. And it, it's really cool. It covers a little bit of everything. It kind of gets your wheels turning a little bit, man. So that's been excellent. I really appreciate it. I will put all of those notes live so everybody can click on them in the show notes as well. This has been awesome, man. I really appreciate all the stuff you've done for me on the Show Up Investor Discord group on this podcast. It was awesome meeting you, talking to you once again. Any final thoughts before I let you go, my good man? I'm good, brother. I just, uh, you know, just let everybody know anything they want to do. Look at where I came from. I only went to the freaking 10th grade. Um, I'm definitely not the smartest damn guy in the room. But I think if you set a goal and just uh, keep showing up every day, it'll happen for you, man. So I appreciate your time too, Nick. Thank you for having me on, brother. Well, you bring your A game to everything you've done up until now. You definitely brought your A game to this interview. Show up, investor, Alan Forney, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. You're so what's it be?